This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning, Media Week's weekly TV podcast. I'm James Manning, and joining me every week is my co-host, Andrew Mercado. This week, we've got some good stuff. We've got Ethan Hawke, Ewan McGregor, Stanley Tucci, David Tennant, A Burning Cathedral, and Andrew's Halloween Horror Guide. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, James. How are you? Pretty good, thank you. Pretty good. Look, I might just start quickly with Inside Man. I've been banging on about this for a few weeks with um, with um, Stanley Tucci and David Tennant, and I've been waiting to find out when it's going to be on. Um, it was a B. I think it's a BBC Netflix co-production. So the BBC had it in the UK. I had a sneaky look at it. From the from the BBC, but in this territory, it's definitely Netflix. Yep. So they, I didn't find out until yesterday that it's actually starting next Monday. Oh wow! This, which is October thirty-one. So I'd rather talk about it in detail after you've had a chance to see it, because okay, I reckon it's so good, and it'd be great to um, get your opinions about it. So I, I recommend anybody. Who, who thinks Stanley Tucci's good and be hard-pressed to find someone who doesn't. David Tennant's got a great body of work. What what either of them do is um, worth catching up with. There's a pretty good supporting cast as well. It's a fascinating story. Um, Stephen Moffat is one of the uh, creatives involved and he's done some great work. So we might – I'll put that aside for next week. But okay. um, look out for it on Netflix. Um, so, and Stephen Moffat, it's a good segue into the first one I think we've both watched this week, which is The Devil's Hour. Yes. Yeah. Now, I was, I was a bit puzzled, but I was sort of enjoying it as I was flummoxed, but sort of, it seems to be trying to do several things. What did you think? Well, I think the first episode is really convoluted. You know, I I glanced away to do something for five minutes and then thought, oh, what did I miss? It's not making any sense. I mean, you've got the lead character. There's so much going on for her. She's got a son. There's something wrong with her son. Uh, Her mother has dementia. She's having visions of the past. She's having visions of the future. She's suffering from deja vu. And to top things all off, she works in like a domestic violence, child protection services. So there's lots and lots and lots and lots of drama going on. And then there's this other storyline going on with a policeman and he's got his own issues. He's a bit nervous to be around dead bodies. He has to go outside and have a little bit of a quiet vomit and his partner doesn't think he's up to the job. And there's all this stuff going on and you're thinking, what the hell is happening? However, At the end of the first episode, you get just enough clues to go, oh, no, there's a reason for everything. And I guess you can see that as the show goes on, it's going to tie it together. But, gee, it's a lot to take on in in that first episode, James. Yeah, look, I I I I'm with I agree with you on most of that. There were times when I was thinking, but first of all, I should say, look, if you turned away for five minutes, there'd be no way you could keep up. Well, it was still there. I mean, it was on, but I was—I just went away to answer an email while I was watching it and took my eye off it for a minute and really suffered because of that. 
That's dangerous, isn't it? Especially these yeah. days. So so much is happening all the time in most dramas. They're, they're packed with lots of stuff. Um, yeah, it really came together for me towards the end of that episode. It yeah. started to make sense. I mean, um, Jessica Rain is Lucy Chambers, the lead character. She sort of works in family services, which looks like a really tough job, and it would be, of course, going, you know, dealing with families troubled with um, women with abusive parents or yeah. or parents who neglect their children, trying to sort out what's best for the kids. Um, but you're right, she has these visions, and and I was working out of that she sort of foresees things that are going to happen. Is that well, she calls it deja vu. When she goes to the psychiatrist, she doesn't so much say, I can see the future. She's talking about she gets to somewhere and she has this flash of being there before or something, you know, she yeah, yeah. refers to it as deja vu. Okay. okay. But she is kind of looking into the future with some of these deja vu visions. That's what I thought. To me, it was more like she's predicting, like in some of the domestic dramas she's involved in with, she sees what might happen if she yeah. doesn't in intervene Correct. Like as, a, as an abusive and threatening husband. And she can see sort of things that might happen if she doesn't sort of help this woman yeah. get rid of the bloke, you know. So that's that's fascinating one part of it. The, the key thing, I mean, the, the title comes from the fact she, every night she wakes up at 3.30 a.m., her sleep, no, three thirty-three a.m. Sorry, three three three. Yeah, three thirty-three a.m., which is half of six six six. Of course, the devil's number, and there's not. They haven't made that direct um connection so far in that first episode with, but it's it's called the devil's hour. Yeah, and sometimes she wakes up and her son's standing there beside her, looking at her. Other times she wakes up, I think, because she's having a terrible nightmare. Um, so there's 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 a lot going on. But and you mentioned the policeman, the um yeah, that's another intriguing subplot. Um that's Nikesh Patel. And did you recognize him from what he's done recently? Yeah, he was just in Starstruck, uh, that sitcom yeah. on the ABC. I was looking at him going, oh, you're so handsome. Where have I seen <laughs> you before? And that's right, he played a Bollywood movie star. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it's a very different role, isn't it? No, yeah. you look at him in this and go, very how you, different. How did you pull off being a big movie star? But he sort of carried it okay in um, in Starstruck. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but of course, yeah. the 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 star of it um, is someone we barely see until the closing scene, Peter Capaldi, and yes. you know whatever the hell his character is and what he knows and this double dutch he sort of speaks it's like really oh, i've got no idea what's going on with him yet and i started to watch i've got i'm a bit halfway into the second episode and it, it just he just gets weirder and weirder with what he starts saying so i think the scenes we see with him in the first episode is that a flash forward that's a flash forward presumably it's, it must be a flash forward because she looks like she's been bashed that's she's exactly. bleeding from the lip yeah. and i'm going yeah. well this is not present time this is you know yeah yeah you can there's a few things that might happen that would get her in that condition but i'm guessing it might be one of the problem families she's trying to deal with that could go off the rails a little bit. I'm, I'm Maybe. not sure, and then we're not sure what Peter Capaldi's going to have to do with all that. So yeah, I'm I'm going back. I'll I want to stick with this a little bit to to see what happens.
Well, I like it that it's British horror, James. You know, we see so many American horror series that, you know, sort of go to the blood and the gore. And, you know, the, the Brits have always kind of had a foot in this area. And when they do it, they they go less for that gory look and, and more for the story. So I'm interested to see where it goes. And we should say The Devil's Hour is going to be on Amazon Prime. Uh, it'll actually be streaming from uh, Friday. So it should be there for everyone to watch now. Yeah. Now, um, disaster porn. This yes. is what you referred to with Notre Dame, a French, yes. a French drama about the the fire that starts in Notre Dame Cathedral and destroys a whole lot of it before they can put it out. Um, I didn't really think of that as a genre, but um, it is, right? It is. I mean, I will watch any disaster film. I grew up with the Poseidon Adventure and the Towering Inferno. Any real-life disaster that gets dramatised, I'm there watching it. I'll watch documentaries on Pompeii for 24 (laughs) hours if I need to. But I think what's really interesting about Notre Dame, and this is a French limited miniseries of six episodes on Netflix, is what's interesting about this is that this is a disaster when nobody died and you see that in the i've watched three episodes of it now and and you see the the fire chief the colonel constantly saying it's just a building we can repair buildings but we can't replace lives and and we know that no firefighter died in that notre dame fire so it gives you a certain amount of relief to watch that knowing that they're not traumatizing some family where there's a victim who died in that but at the same time even though this looks like it's all made up a lot of it very very tense as as you all these stories are swirling around as the firefighters start going into the cathedral, trying to find the source of the fire uh, to figure out how they're going to bring it under control. Yeah. It's it's quite well done. The the effects of the cathedral are great. Um, there's some scenes inside the cathedral which are obviously recreations of a big fireball in the roof, which yeah. looks very authentic. They've done a great job on that. The My biggest decision was whether to watch it in the original language with subtitles, which I think I should have done, but I actually my TV defaulted to the English dubbing, which yeah. was a, a little bit hokey, but it's I think it was possibly easier to follow the intricacies doing it that way. Um, the thing I was disappointed about, the actual discovery of the fire is glossed over a little bit in that first episode. It's just a phone call. Someone says, oh, there's a fire in Notre Dame. Oh, okay. We'll, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get down there. There's no there's no scenes of who actually first discovered the fire, how they raised the alarm. I, I thought that would have been an obvious thing to play up a little bit. One of the things that really impresses me about this is that th- there's a few flashbacks in it, but not a, a lot. And I'm up to the, the third episode, and every time an episode starts, we meet new characters. But we don't – there are occasional flashbacks, but sometimes a character will come in, the cathedral is un- is fully on fire, the fire brigade is there, and suddenly we're meeting a new character – and telling a story from a different perspective. And the other thing they're doing is there's a character that you see very briefly in the first episode, very briefly in the second episode, and then suddenly, boom, they're there 
and there's their storyline. Like, it's incredibly well written the way they've created all these different storylines around the fact that, you know, this is the story of a building on fire and the fire brigade trying to put it out. But, gee, they do some great work creating a whole bunch of drama around this. Sure. Yeah. It made me look up um, when, when they're going to finish actually rebuilding it. and it's not going to be open again till uh 2024 mm. which is going to be five or a bit more years after the actual fire apparently there's been lots of building delays and sort of disputes over what they should do here or there so it's going to be a little while before anybody will get inside there again yeah no really impressive i can't watch uh you're a better man than me james i can't watch shows that are dubbed if the the <laughs> lips aren't moving in time to the words oh, i go crazy i have to watch subtitles and and read and yeah, it's the yeah it just for me. takes me away from the visuals a little bit that's my only well, reason that, that's the other thing too you yeah your, your eyes are focused too much on the dialogue i know and by the time you read it and if the scene's gone you're going <laughs> i missed what happened i missed the <laughs> no. visual impact of that last scene raymond and ray apple tv plus have you had a chance to look at this yet no okay it's a tv movie talk about weird um storylines TV movie on Apple TV. I think it it's done some. It was premiere world premiere at the Toronto Film Festival only just over a month ago, right? Um, and then Netflix put it into cinemas from mid October, and now it's hit their platform. Um, look, you're not going to get much of a better cast, Ethan Hawke and Ewan McGregor. Oh wow! So there's your reasons for tuning in, but gee whiz, it's um. It's pretty bizarre. I mean, the, the Guardian gave this one star, and one and, star. Yeah, and there's if you somebody wants a bit of a laugh, Google oh. that review and have a read of it. You know, it's um, I think it's Peter. What's that film critic Peter uh, Badman? Yeah, Radman. Um, and he's someone whose opinion I value. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have given it one, but gee whiz, it's um. As you go through it, you're thinking, "What? Well, what is going on here?" You know. So, so they're half brothers. Um, one's called Raymond. One's called Ray. They. The film starts with now Raymond is uh, Ewan McGregor. He travels to the house where his brother Ray lives, which is Ethan Hawke. Yeah, telling their father has died. Right. So the same father, different mothers. So they're half brothers. Neither of them liked the old man. He was a bit crazy. You never get to see him. I don't think there's any flash. In a flashback, you might hear his voice in an audio message. I don't think you ever see him. Um, but, yeah, he was a he was a piece of work. His final request is that they both go to the funeral. Um, Ewan, uh, Ethan Hawke doesn't want to. Ewan McGregor talks him into going, okay? So they get there, they they go to the funeral. It's a long drive across a couple of states, so it takes them a long time to get there. Um, the they, When they find out, so they have the funeral, they find out that another request from their late father is that they actually dig the grave that he's going to be buried in. So there's lots of little things like this. Um, and it's just very quirky. I mean... Um, Ewan McGregor, uh, Ethan Hawke plays a former addict who's actually a bit of a good jazz trumpeter, but he hasn't played for a long time. But the, if you stick with it, the film sort of comes together right at the end and it's um, it's quite nice, but, gee, the, the filmmaker um, 
Rodrigo Garcia, who wrote and directed, really tortures you along the journey, you know. Oh. It's, it's not an easy watch and you're sort of going, oh, oh, do I do I want to stay with this? But there is a bit of a payoff at the end. I mean, some of the plot lines are, are, are quite convoluted. The So Ewan McGregor, his father slept with his wife. Ewan McGregor's wife? Uh, no, no, well, his character's wife. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. So, and that's what broke up his marriage. Wow. Um, and in the end, though, <laughs> at the, near the end of the movie, Ewan McGregor sleeps with his his um, father's partner. What? It was with him at the, at, when he died. So it's all pretty bizarre stuff. Um, it's interesting you say that Ethan Hawke is playing a jazz trumpeteer because I did watch a movie on Apple TV Plus, which is Louis Armstrong's Black okay. and Blues, about yep. the greatest jazz trumpeteer of all time. And I watched it because, you know, my dad was a huge Louis Armstrong fan, Satchmo. Um, so, yeah, Apple TV, you know, they've got some great series, but there are some really great movies there as well. And we should also say, too, The Guardian's on fire with their one-star reviews <laughs> at the moment. I don't know whether you noticed the they reviewed The Lord of the Rings as it came oh, to yeah. an end, wow. and they described the acting as sherry breath-soaked repertory theatre company like, so savage. I, I sent it to my friend who's a Lord of the Rings fan and said, like, this is this is next level as a bad review. Yeah, yeah. Look, a few quick things before we get to your Halloween special. Um, stuff the British stole. Um, yep. Mark Fennell. Um, look, Mark Fennell, this was a series of podcasts, I think, before it was made into a TV series. It's a co-pro between a couple of producers in Australia and Canada, uh, the Australian producers include, I think, um, oh, um, Wild Bear, yeah, Wild Bear Entertainment, and Richard Finlayson, who used to be a TV executive at Foxtel uh, and SBS. He's got a new production company. I think it's called Wooden Horse from Memory. So it's quite interesting. But look, uh, Mark Fennell's done a lot of work for mainly SBS, but also now the ABC. I reckon this is the best thing he's ever done. Yeah, I, I was amazed too to see that CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation logo at the end of it. The first episode's great. You know, he goes straight to, you know, a, a big story, the crown jewels and, you know, did the British monarch steal it from a child who was an Indian prince? Some great stuff and, you know, lots of for and against. No Definitive. This is wrong, and it's got to be changed. You know, there's so much history attached to this. He looks at it from all angles. So yeah, a, a really strong debut. That'll be on Tuesdays at eight PM on ABC. If you're watching Free to Air TV. Yeah, look, the research they've done for that first episode, the the um, the people they talk to from from, from India is just amazing. Um, it's just just fascinating. So only three episodes. Don't miss them up on iView. Look, tell us two things I haven't seen. I think you've investigated a little bit, both starting in the, in the next week after we record this, the second season of The White Lotus and Magda's big national health check. 
Look, we'll save the White Lotus till next week, I think. I want to watch one more episode to decide if I hate it as much as the first series. But Magda's <laughs> National Health Check, you know, you know, Magda Zhabansky is already being trolled on Twitter about her weight. And, I mean, this is why she's making this series. She's putting herself out there uh, to, you know, so that people can relate to her and the struggle she goes through. You know, it's it's an important thing. It's got that sense about it of, say, the war on waste. Let's look into how much sugar you're really eating, food labelling, um, how do we get people to exercise more, um, towns that are doing small things that are having enormous results. Uh, the, the I watched episode one and what look was going to happen in episode two really made me want to come back and see that. So that'll be Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m straight after Mark Fennell. Okay. Halloween. Yeah. Now, you've picked out a few horror highlights for viewers from um, from some different platforms, including Nine Now and some of the streaming services. What do you recommend? Yeah, so I'll go through this fairly quickly uh, because I'll write about these shows in a lot more detail in Media Week. But, yeah, this time of year we always get a lot of Halloween stuff. Um, the first one uh, is the latest American horror story. It's the 11th series. It's called NYC, set in New York with a uh, a guy going around killing gay men you know, kind of set against the backdrop of the AIDS crisis uh, being uncovered. As always with a Ryan Murphy drama, an incredible cast, gets off to a great start, but, you know, this is a series that I often think veers into complete nonsense. So fingers crossed I've watched <laughs> the first two. So far, so good. Um, he's also, Ryan Murphy's also doing a show on Netflix called The Watcher. This is a haunted house drama yet again. Naomi Watts, Bobby Carnavale. Uh, Jennifer Cooley. I'm kind of watching it going, why am I watching this? I've seen it all before, but Mia Farrow's in it as well. As oh. with any Ryan Murphy drama, you can't ignore the casts he gets. So I'm going to stick with that one to the end. I'm not impressed by the new series on Netflix, James. It's called Guillermo del Toro's uh, Carno oh, Cabinet. Carnival Cabinet of Curiosities. And I watched the first two episodes and just went, are you kidding, man? They both had exactly the same ending. Like, that's really disappointing to me. He kind of comes on like a Rod Serling narrator at the beginning. But, yeah, I wasn't really impressed by that. Um, Paramount Plus has a vampire series. It's let the right one in. Now, this has been done a lot. It's been a book. It was a Swedish movie. The Americans remade it. And they've, they've even got a stage production of it now um, in Sydney. But, look, this... I I can actually see why they're turning it into a TV series. There's a lot of potential here. It's about a young uh, girl vampire and her father goes out and kills people for her so she can feed her bloodlust. And she meets this little bullied boy uh, who has no friends and they become great mates. So I can see why Paramount Plus wanted to make a series of this, but I can't do it again. I've watched it twice. I can't do it a third time. It's very good with uh, Damien Bashir as the father if you've never seen it before. And look, for a laugh, James, you remember Chucky the Killer Doll? Yes. And, you know, he made a lot of films and they, they have a real black sense of humour. And Nine Now, I've had the first series of this for quite a while now, but 
since they've just dropped the second series, I've started watching the first series and it's quite amazing. They continue the story. They refer to everything that's happened in the movies before, but now they've got this young queer kid who's uh, in possession of the doll and they call it not a coming of age story, a coming of rage story, (laughs) which I think is so great because there is something deeply sick and twisted yet funny about Chucky. So this is something to watch for free on nine now. So happy Halloween. Lots of scary stuff there for you to watch. Oh, good stuff. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. The um I'll um I'll wrap up this week with a couple of things. The um the good nurse I'm looking forward to seeing. I think this is on Netflix as well. Um, yeah. It's been in cinemas it's just hitting the platform as we speak. Um Two Academy Award winners, Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. So, yeah, amazing. Brilliant cast. I'm a big Jessica Chastain fan. Um, I think it's a thriller set in a hospital. I'm I'm guessing Jessica Chastain is the good nurse referred to in the title. And apparently, more people are dying than they should be in this hospital. And then, my, my second quick thing is. Doc Martin Series 10. Well, I'll talk a little bit about that next week. I'll try and knock off um, a couple of episodes. Always been a Doc Martin fan. This is the last time to um, go on the journey with him to his um, his little sort of, um, what do you call it, his, biz- his practice in, um, yeah. in um, coastal England. So November 5, that starts. Well, I've got two hot tips, too, from my friends. They're both very upset that I'm not taking their word for it, that these are great shows, so I am going to investigate. One is Abbott Elementary on Disney+, Plus, a sitcom set in a black school that won uh, some Emmys recently, so I'm going to try and get into that. And the other one is another show on Nine Now, Resident Alien. A friend of mine swears by it that it's very funny, so uh, in the next few weeks we'll have to try and cover those as well, James. Wonderful stuff. Look, Andrew, always great to talk to you. Um, thank you for coming back on today. Look, we mo- we've also got a bonus episode this week for um, regular listeners, so watch out for that. That'll be dropping in a couple of days. Um, in the meantime, you can read Andrew every Friday in the Media Week Morning Report and at mediaweek.com.au. He'll be doing a bit of Halloween um, this week. Um, we'll be back with another Manning and Mercado next week. Thanks, James. Have a great week.